Good morning. Jeremy stole half my intro. <laughs> What's that? I'm glad to be here uh, this morning. I'm glad Pastor Kevin and his family were able to be on vacation last week. Uh, and normally he would be inviting us to uh, open up the book of Galatians, uh, but we're going to do something different this morning. We're going to open up the book of Philemon. Uh, so Philemon is one of Paul's letters. Uh, was written uh, while he was in prison. Uh, it is also the shortest book in the Bible, so we're going to do a whole book of the Bible in a day. I don't know that that's ever happened at By Grace before. Um, but we're going to do it, and, you know, I didn't bring Isaiah or something to do that with. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open up to Philemon. Uh, Philemon, if you don't know how to find it, find Hebrews and go back a page, and that'll be there. So uh, this is the word of the Lord. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus... And Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man now and a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you. For my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this letter from Paul. We thank you for its focus uh, on living out the gospel in everyday life. And we pray, Lord, that as we go through uh, that these words, uh, would touch our hearts, remind us what it is to be good followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're doing a new book 
need to spend just a minute on the context. Uh, we've already said this was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, as we look uh, in verse 9 specifically, Paul says, hey, I'm an old man now and a prisoner for Christ Jesus. And so we would understand this book to have been written while he was in Rome, in prison there. Uh, one of the things that's unique about this book, and if you've read a lot of Paul's letters, there's, it has a very different tone to it uh, than many of them. And so, as an example, if I just think about Ephesians 1 for a minute, Paul has some language here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even if he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Right? Paul has this flowery language talking about big things, big scriptural ideas, big truths uh, of what God has done. Uh, even in a personal letter like 1 Timothy, he writes, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me in, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Right? Timothy still another personal letter, but we still get these um, bigger ideas of uh, Paul talking about the Christian life. And we don't really see that here in Philemon. Right? We see a very focused letter. He's talking to Philemon, and then he's talking about a situation. And so as we go through this letter today, it's important that we think about, um, think about the situation. There is one other reason why we don't see all that flowery language, uh, and that is that this letter was delivered at the same time as the letter to Colossae, which we call Colossians. And so if I read, I'm going to read for just a minute from Colossians 4, the end of Colossians 4, and we'll hear a lot of names uh, that are present in the letter to Philemon. So this is uh, Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling in your behalf in his prayers, that you, you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those at Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Damas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nymphia, and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read this letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And so, when we think about the final greetings that uh, Paul gives, we see Epaphras in both letters. We see Mark and Aristarchus and Damas and Luke. 
We even see Onesimus mentioned specifically. And so we know that this letter to Philemon was sent at the same time as two other letters. Uh, the letter to the Colossians that we have in Scripture and a letter to the Laodiceans uh, that we do not. And don't have a reason why that is, but uh, that's the case. And so all of pa- Paul's language, the flowery language about the truths of this Christian life, those are captured in Colossians. And this letter then is focused on what needed to be addressed. There's another nugget that we need to get out of the book of Colossians. And this is Colossians 2.1. And Paul writes, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. And it's a little hard to pick out, but the main idea here is uh, from this verse, we understand that Paul didn't come visit and preach at Colossae. He was at Ephesus, which is not far away, um, But the church that is here grew up as a second generation of Paul's ministry. It's not a a direct result of his work. And so uh, we'll see that important uh, here in a minute. So that's some context around the letter. Let's talk about who he wrote the letter to. So we've got Philemon and Aphia. Uh, And as I have prepared today... uh, one of my conclusions is, is that Paul is really writing to a household in this letter. So uh, Philemon is the husband in the household. Uh, he addresses Aphia as Aphia, our sister. Uh, scripture's not, like I can't point to a place where it says this, but I understand Aphia to be his wife. So it's written to a husband and wife. And then we have Archippus. And we would have no insight into Archippus without the Colossians letter where uh, Paul writes, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you've received in the Lord. So that tells us Archippus is an elder, a minister, a pastor. He has some role, some ministry function within the church that meets in Philemon's house. And then he says, the church in your house. And so I know we all come here Sunday morning for church, and we see whoever shows up on a Sunday morning. But if you're part of one of our kingdom groups, you show up and you see everybody in the house that's at the kindling groups. If somebody has dogs, you know who the dogs are, right? Um, you see life. And so in this day, as the church is meeting in Philemon's house, the church knows everybody that is in that household. And so uh, that's why they're addressed in this letter, and we'll touch on why that's important in a little bit. So... Generally, we know who it is, but what about Philemon? What do we know about Philemon? So verse 4 through 7 gives us a lot of insight into Philemon, right? Paul writes, I thank my God always when I remember in your prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And so we know uh, that Philemon's ministry work on behalf of the Lord, is, of no, is notable enough that it has reached Paul in Rome. He continues in verse 7, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Um, so Philemon is active in ministry. Uh, my read, when, when Paul writes, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, I think I hear generosity. I think he's a generous man. Uh, 
But there's a couple of other things that we can pick out. So if we go down into verse 19, Paul has this line. Uh, he says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. And so this is a clue for us that Philemon is actually the one or one of the people who knows Paul personally. Paul led, or yeah, Paul led Philemon to the Lord. And through that, Philemon went back home, and this church grew up from it. Uh, we also, so that means, there's a couple of other things. So we know Paul didn't come to Colossae to preach, so that means Philemon must have traveled to wherever Paul was. I think Ephesus might be a likely place, but there's no real way to know for sure. But wherever that was, Philemon traveled. Uh, and so in my head, I think of Philemon as some sort of a merchant, he moves goods from one place to another. He has a reason to travel in between the cities. Uh, and he comes in contact with Paul, becomes a believer. Uh, and this letter kind of grows out of that relationship. And so we have, um, we also know about Philemon that he has a church in his house, right? So, and he has at least one bondservant, Onesimus likely more. And so this is a man who has many servants, I think. Uh, he has a house big enough to host a church. He's active in ministry. He shares the gospel. Uh, that's verse 6. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing we have um, for the sake of Christ. Uh, and he works with Archippus, who is an elder or a minister there in that church. And so it, this is kind of our picture of Philemon and who the letter was written to. But we haven't talked about the main subject of this letter much, Onesimus. And so Onesimus, uh, this is a weird, Brent actually gave me uh, an interesting phrase. We're like seeing the second part of a three-act three play, right? We don't know exactly what happened. We have this letter from Paul, and we don't know exactly what happened after, but I think there's some things that we can uh, make educated guesses on. So we know that Onesimus was a bondservant there in Philemon's house. Uh, so that means he worked for him. Maybe he helped in the business, helped take care of things around the house. Uh, when we read Paul's phrase, uh, if he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. This gives us an idea that Onesimus has both fled, and he's taken something. And so, if we just put ourselves in Onesimus' shoes for a minute, right? Onesimus gets up, and he does his daily stuff, and he starts formulating the plan, the plan that he's going to go escape and run away. And he figures out there's this place that he can go, and he can get some money, because, uh, you know, you have to be able to buy food, so money's kind of important. Uh, he concocts this plan. It goes off without a hitch. He grabs the money. He starts running. Uh, he knows where his master does business. So he, you know, if it is Ephesus, he can't run to Ephesus. He's got to go a different direction because otherwise somebody's going to see him and know who he was. And there's this sense of elation that he has, that the plan that he enacted went off and he's now on the run. But we also know that exaltation, the elation that he, fear, or that he has, eventually turns into fear. Right? This is Roman times. Did Rome like crime? 
I mean, what happened to criminals? Hands chopped off, maybe crucified. Like, you didn't want to go around stealing in the Roman Empire. If you were found out, it was going to be bad. And so now, he's, uh, he's taken the money, he's run. He can't go back because, you know, he's taken the money. And now he's looking over his shoulder. And everywhere he goes, he's wondering, is he going to meet somebody who knows his story? Is he going to be found out? And there's a weight that would have been on him during this time. We don't have any insight on how long that journey was. Uh, but we do know that he traveled from Colossae. And if I'm sure everybody knows exactly where Colossae is. Uh, it is... Uh, so if you think about southern Turkey, uh, it's the west central side of southern Turkey. Uh, not really by the water, it's an inland city. And so he traveled from there all the way to where Paul was, right? We know that Onesimus became a believer through the work of Paul. And so Onesimus found his way all the way to Rome. It's not a short trip. Uh, would have involved boats, because I don't think he could have swum that far. And I think he would have had some really big mountains to go over otherwise. So he had to have money for boat trips. He had to have money for food. And so when we think about him stealing, I have to imagine it was actually a pretty significant sum in order to fund him for that entire journey. And so we've got this Onesimus, right? And he's stolen and he's running. But if we go back to Philemon, we go back to this household, Right, so there's a normal pattern to life, right? Uh, after a day's work, everybody shows up at dinner, uh, and Onesimus probably had some responsibilities that he did. And he shows up, and everybody else in the household is there, but Onesimus is not around. And they begin to actually, I would imagine they got worried, right? Hey, this guy's always around. What, what happened to him? Where did he go? Did he get injured? What happened? And so the next day, they go out, and they start looking around for it, for him trying to see where he's at, retrace his steps, and then they discover that the money's missing. And now they start putting the pieces together, and they know that he took the money, and they know that he ran. And then the church shows up on Sunday to worship the Lord. And they're like, hey, wait, where's Onesimus? Is he sick or something? And so now the tale of what Onesimus has done has been shared to that whole church community. And it becomes the topic of prayer, right? Uh, if, we, if our read of Philemon is correct, and Philemon is a generous man, the money that Onesimus took might have been used to help meet the needs of the community. And now that's not there. And so this becomes a matter of prayer and concern for Philemon's church. It becomes a matter of concern maybe even for his business context. Hey, have you... Next time he shows up in Ephesus, hey, did Onesimus come this way? And so now on Philemon's side, there is this, we know Philemon was wronged, right? There's this anger, there's this frustration that sits there for a long time, wondering what happened, wondering if the money's ever going to be found, wondering if he's, what's going to happen? And so it's interesting here because the sin of Onesimus really creates fear in Onesimus 
and it creates anger and frustration in Philemon. And the reality is, the sin that we have does the same thing. And then Onesimus shows up in Rome. And I, again, I'm going to maybe guess a little bit, but I, I can imagine Onesimus being like, man, I'm, I'm running out of food. Oh, wait. Wait, didn't, didn't Philemon talk about this Paul guy? And he was a pretty nice guy. Maybe I'll go see Paul. And he goes to Paul, gets some food, and then he gets more than he bargained for. And he gets the gospel. And he believes. And one of the things that we know, like, my impression of Paul is Paul is not a guy to advocate for someone easily. Right? So there's this sense that in the time that Onesimus was there with Paul, he really showed a change in his life. The gospel was effective. I have this impression that Onesimus, he, he, he like heard Paul one day and he's like, oh wait, that's what they were talking about all the time back home at the church. And immediately he understands his sin, not just this sin, this particular one this letter's about, but his sin overall. Um, you know, when you think about Ephesians of uh, Paul writing, let the thief no longer steal, but let him work so he has something to share with everyone, anyone in need that Onesimus hears that from Paul and is like, wait a second. And so Onesimus starts doing odd jobs around to help support Paul uh, and the others there. We have a good list of people that are there with Paul at this time. And so Paul sees this change in Onesimus' life. He sees uh, him go from a thief running away from his master to a man who served who is convinced of his salvation and seeking to serve as much as he can. And then, then you get the fateful day. Because Paul says, hey, I think it's time to write some letters. And Paul sits down and he writes at least three. We don't know, maybe there were some more that got written at the same time. But he writes these three letters and he calls the brothers in and he's like, okay, who should go take these letters back? And they say, oh yeah, we'll send Tychicus to go. And then Paul looks at Onesimus and says, you're going to. And Onesimus is like, do, do I have to? Do... We have to remember, we talked about the Roman system of justice. If Onesimus shows up, in Philemon's house, and Philemon does not accept his return, does not accept his, uh, his sorrow, his repentance, that he could be handed over to the uh, Roman authorities there that day. Repentance can be hard. So where did, where did uh, Onesimus make the first step of his repentance? He started, he walked out that door with a letter in hand. And he had to think about what he was going to say to Philemon for a very long trip, right? The entire trip that 
he had to get here uh, to see Paul. He had to do, undo that journey. So multiple boat rides, multiple miles on foot, all the time wondering, right? It's not just the weight of his sin. It is the weight of, am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be loved? And I think there's a reality as we live our lives. We know that our sin is covered by the blood of Christ. If we are in Christ, but at the same point in time, we also know that we have injured people. And we look at that injury and we wonder, if I offer an apology, is that apology going to be accepted? And so I imagine it's a Sunday morning and the church in Philemon's house is in session. They just sang some great hymns. Archippus is getting up, ready to preach, ready to expound on some text, um, maybe read a letter from somebody. Uh, and somebody knocks on the door, and they're like, wait, we're not expecting anybody else. Everybody's here. And they open the door, and there's Tychicus, and he says, hey, I've got a letter from Paul. And a gasp of excitement goes through the crowd, right? You don't hear from Paul every day. And so he runs the letter up to, uh, up to Archippus, and uh, Archippus starts doing a quick read through it, because he's going to have to say it out loud here in a minute, and he's got to make sure he knows what he's going to say. And then that excitement, and everybody turns their head, and wait, don't we know this other guy? Don't, wait, isn't that Onesimus? And there's this murmur that goes through the crowd as people realize who it is. And Onesimus then walks in to Philemon, the letter in his hand, trying to figure out what to say. I'm sure he's thought about it for however long this journey took. And he hands the letter to Philemon. He says, I'm sorry. And Philemon is then stuck. What does he do? And so he sits down and he reads the letter that we've read this morning. And he has in that moment to decide what is he going to do about Onesimus. We have to realize, Paul. what does Paul ask Philemon to do? It's an important question. It's not just, Paul did not just ask Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Right, And we see in verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. What would you do if Paul walked into your house tomorrow? I mean, it's not possible. It's been a couple thousand years. But right, or whatever the modern day equivalent of Paul in present company. You're, right, uh, Tim Keller, or I guess he's not around either. Um, <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Right? Somebody who you know, somebody who you admire for their faith in the Lord, who's lived their life in service, comes and shows up at your door. And they're like, hey, can I stay? How do you welcome that person? It's also, as Paul writes, if he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charged my account. He's asking Philemon to accept the loss. 
to not seek restitution, to not try to get the money back, to not go around. He's also asking him to defend Onesimus to the church and to anybody else that knows about this business. Right? Who, who could claim that Onesimus was a thief? Anybody at the church? Any of the business associates? Right? So Onesimus shows up with Philemon a couple months later, someplace in Ephesus, and they're like, wait, didn't he steal? Oh no, that account's been settled. Philemon has to do that now for the rest, you know, for a good period of time, always being rem- reminded of what Onesimus has done and always being reminded of what's been done for him. What is the root of Onesimus' forgiveness? It is the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that made Paul a believer, though he was an enemy of God. It's the blood of Christ that made Philemon a believer. It's the blood of Christ that covered even Onesimus' sins. This is a great example for us of what does it mean to repent. I know that there are places, uh, maybe not in everybody's life, there are places in some lives where there's sin that you know you've never repented of and you have no idea how to even start going back and walking down that road. But there is a first step. And I think this letter calls us to take that first step towards repentance, whatever that is. Uh, and then we've been wronged. And this letter calls us to forgive freely, to really seek reconciliation uh, to a degree that uh, we don't normally do. And so what do we take away from this letter? One of the things... uh, one of the words, and Paul uses it here uh, in verse 8. He says, although I'm bold enough in Christ to command you. And this word boldness sits through my mind as I've thought through this letter. Who's bold here? There's bold sharing of faith on the part of Philemon. Sharing his faith with the people around in the city of Colossae. There is bold repentance as Onesimus travels. I mean, Traveling what? I don't even know. I didn't get a chance to go look at how far this trip is, but we're talking, you know, six, seven hundred miles that he has to travel to go repent. We could probably do it with a telephone call most of the time. There's bold reconciliation. Welcoming, welcoming a thief back into your house. Trusting that he's not going to do it again. But we know and we believe that the gospel does change lives. It's really um, interesting, the timing of things. So uh, we set the schedule for our scripture memory. Uh, We set it back in December, right? And uh, I didn't even realize, because I don't look at it every day, I didn't realize what the verse of this week was. 
And so here we are today, I'm preaching on Philemon, and the memory verse. Put on, God's cho- put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I'm amazed sometimes at God's timing and things. So I know this was all 2,000 years ago. But the reality is that we are called to do the same thing. We're called to reconcile. What does this reconcile look like in your life? In your home, with friends, with family, co-workers? Is a reconciliation that needs to be done? It reminds me about sharing the gospel. Whom do you boldly share the gospel with? Who are you called to boldly share the gospel with? And where in your own life is bold repentance an important next step? And even though it's hard, we know how much we've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. My last thought for today, why is this book in the scripture? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think one, uh, we do know, uh, I think that uh, Philemon took Paul's words to heart. And he forgave Onesimus. But I also think that Paul's focus on these topics of repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation it's important that there's a letter that's focused just on that. Because, you know, we're humans. Life is messy. We make mistakes. We have all made them. But this forgiveness and reconciliation, it should be a hallmark of all of us within our homes and within the church. We have been forgiven much, and we are called to do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you for the forgiveness that we find in you alone. How great is the love that you have shown us. Help us, Lord, as we learn from Philemon and Onesimus uh, to walk out our days uh, in forgiveness and reconciliation, seeking to live at peace with one another, uh, that we may glorify you. Jesus' name.